smell can't you smell that smell Ooh, that smell the smell that is vengeance welcome back boys and girls ladies and gentlemen to another episode of your favorite podcast in the midwest the midwesterners podcast i am one of your hosts brian stoffel and i'm kyle olson this week, we have an exciting episode for you all. It has been a couple weeks since the biggest movie of the spring has dropped into movie theaters, that being The Batman. We waited a week for you all to catch up, go out, see it before we di- decided to dive in into our spoiler filled discussion on The Batman. Before we get into that, as stated at the top of the show, we are the Midwesterners. That's M I D W E S T E R N E R D S. If you would like to reach out to us, follow us on social media. You can find us at the Midwesterners on Twitter and Instagram, the Midwesterners podcast on Facebook. If you would like to reach out and email us, you can hit us at midwesternerds at gmail.com. If you would like to listen to us on a different streaming platform other than the one you are listening to this episode on, you can find our show on any streaming platform that you can find a podcast. Please, we would really appreciate it if you guys would reach out to us on social media Uh, rate and review us on your podcast streamers any of this helps the show to be better and we would like to give you guys the best possible show that we can give you that being said let's introduce our guest for this week returning to the midwesterners podcast from season one you know him you love him he is elliot tater Bartheld. welcome back to the show Tater. Good to be back, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> this guy here is one of the biggest Matt Reeves fans that I know. He's pretty big into film as well, not just the blockbuster movies, but I enjoy talking to him about all sorts of different films. So since this is a blockbuster film that's pretending to be more of like a genre indie type movie, I thought he was the best person to have on the show to talk about this movie with us. So once again, welcome tater thank you brian it's been a while i'm glad to be back on this is this was one of the most fun things i did back in would that be 2020 glad to do it in 2022 all right to start off we all know that we all three of us loved this movie but let's start with you tater how much did you love this movie give us as with this love of the movie give us your background on batman and your background with matt reeves as well all right i uh, will start with the batman background so it all kind of started when i was a kid i would always watch the batman series on cartoon network the justice league uh teen titans i know that's not fully batman but with the robin field that whole 
DC Comics Gotham feel. When it came to the movies, I remember watching them all the Michael Keaton ones, and he got the Val Kilmer and the George Clooney one. And when it comes down to it, uh, after that, Batman Begins. Really love that movie. Dark Knight was one of the first real movies I watched by myself uh, with my buddies and I when I wasn't with my parents. My favorite Batman, obviously Batman, The Dark Knight Rises. Then we get to that gray area of the Justice League era, <laughs> Ben Affleck era. We could just skip kind of past that. And then we have the new Batman. And this was by far the biggest movie I was excited for for this year. When it was originally supposed to be 2021, that was also the biggest movie I was waiting for. Matt Reeves is a very underrated director, in my opinion, because he's never made a bad movie. You got the Cloverfield was his first big movie and very, very underrated for, I think it was only a $30 million budget. And what they were able to do with that is actually incredible. I believe it was Let the Right One In, another great movie is his, the Planet of the Apes series. So I was excited for this and he did not disappoint. I like the direction this Batman went into. This crime noir feel, uh, the dark setting. There's so much to talk about with this movie, with how great it was. The biggest thing I will say is any shit talking, we could talk about <laughs> Robert Pattinson and being Twilight, Sparkles, whatever you want to call him. That's out. That is completely out. I felt that way since I watched great movie with him and William Defoe, The Lighthouse. That's where I was. This guy is an incredible actor. I cannot wait to see how he portrays Batman. And he did an A-plus job. Cinematography, music. Music was incredible, too. Just everything about it, I was shocked. I had went in with high expectations, and they beat the expectations. I can't give it a number review yet. Reagan, it is tough, because I got to rewatch The Dark Knight and figure this out. But, yeah, it's. I was not disappointed. Well, folks, if my little tee up there at the beginning of the show didn't uh convince you i hope the slam out of the field home run that tater just gave you all for his introduction with matt reeves the batman all of that is enough to convince you of why we chose him to be on this episode kyle initial thoughts with the batman i'm gonna get this out of the way early for all these freaking i'm as you can tell by my background for people who aren't watching obviously marvel shit everywhere okay for all you fucking marvel fans out there who are saying it oh this was a terrible movie it wasn't fun there was no end credit scene this is so dark i i want all of you to go outside and touch some grass because this was so good as a superhero movie it was crime noir like you said it was just amazing you have to go into this mindset of a, this is a comic book movie this is this is a detective show this is about politics and drugs and like crime and just it's just so good and people people just went off of it was these marvel fans that were out here just so it wasn't thor ragnarok yeah well that's no it, no stop it stop it right now you know this movie was phenomenal i think we teed it up a couple of weeks ago when we were talking the other bat uh uh, what were we talking about? We, yeah, we were just talking about Batman in general, and we kind of teed it up how excited we were for this. I went into this movie with little expectations, only because I didn't know what to expect. Robert Pattinson, I've only ever seen in the one Twilight film I've seen, but I, I, I didn't even try. I, I tried not to let that cloud my judgment. To the only Batman movies I had seen before that was way back when I was a child. I saw 
why am I forgetting uh, all of a sudden Michael Keaton there's the only those are the only movies I saw up until I watched Dark Knight during the pandemic I watched that whole trilogy so like but Batman's always been my guy I just wasn't into movies when I was younger so Batman like going into this movie I was just blown away like a lot of people were dreading the three hours I was so excited <laughs> I got a small soda so that I didn't have to get up during the whole thing I was just absolutely blown away like you said the cinematography is amazing shots that I thought I would never see in a movie let alone a Batman movie the the music and the score is incredible at one point there is they, they play they pay a little tribute to a Darth Vader entrance entrance with the um, Imperial March kind of mixed in with the Batman theme as he's emerging from a shadow a lot like Darth Vader does in Rogue One it's just incredible like it's so many different elements and so many details that they add into this movie I and I'm sure we're going to dive into more of them right now I'm trying to collect my thoughts after that little rant there but yeah this just absolutely blew me away the only things that I've seen about Pattinson since this movie came out was the fact that he's the worst vampire in the world because it took him like what 16 years to turn into a bat (laughs) (laughs) that's good no the other thing the other thing I've seen is people saying oh he's a terrible Bruce Wayne he was Bruce Wayne for maybe five minutes in this whole movie I I was I would say that Bruce Wayne is coming Bruce Wayne is coming in later movies I was going to say, I would say to those people, we didn't see Bruce Wayne at all in this movie. We saw Batman the entire time. We just we saw, saw Batman, Batman with and without the mask. <laughs> yes, we saw Batman in and out of the costume. Yeah, this movie, this movie was great. I had, I don't know what kind of expectations I had going into it, but I know the first viewing, there were some things that I was like, wasn't completely sold on. But that being said, I was like, this is still one of the best Batman movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Like you said, this this movie is basically like a graphic novel on screen. Like we get a complete Batman detective story that's not just like superhero punch and beat em ups. There's long stretches of this movie that is just plot. That's just uh, building and figuring out this mystery of who the riddler is and who's he gonna attack what's his game plan what's his end game and then we get a couple of batman beat-em-up fights mixed in the middle mixed in between with an awesome scene with the batmobile which we'll get into but yeah this this movie's great it definitely aged better with the second viewing i went and saw it again this past weekend just to kind of get my full thoughts on this movie jumping into this conversation there are things that don't work for me but we'll get into that but overall i i fully fully enjoyed this movie so we started to touch on it a little bit let's just jump right in to the batman let's get into it so let's start this conversation robert pattinson as batman tater you've been quiet for a while thoughts (laughs) robert pattinson as batman it's like you said, it's you didn't see Bruce Wayne. Maybe it's kind of like showing how he's de- trying to separate the two, the Batman and Bruce Wayne as people. He was just been, and it was a great like intro. Like he's only been doing this for two years, they said, and he's just trying to get his bearings, but he's still just traumatized over his parents' death, which obvious that makes total sense. And he's just trying to figure himself out as a person. And how dark 
this movie went with that Batman was really good. Um, he still follows along with his rule of no killing, no guns. But there are some moments in that movie, like that first fight with those gang, where he just literally goes to town on that guy. I was like, oh my God, he might be dead. <laughs> he just killed it. I, I don't know the words just to say it. Just everything about him in that movie was just dark. He was intimidating. He just played the role perfect. I, I'm trying to think of something that I could compare it to. The one that I just don't think there is a Batman like him. I don't think they're, I think he killed it. I think obviously when it comes to his Bruce Wayne, I think Christian Bale killed that. I could even make a slight argument for Ben Affleck being a better Bruce Wayne, but overall just the most important part of the movie, the Batman is the Batman. He was the best Batman I've ever seen. And it beat out my favorite actor, Christian Bale, which is, that's a hard thing to do. It's a really hard thing to do. I'll throw Keaton in there for Bruce Wayne. I really enjoyed what he did there, actually. Um, even though he that. couldn't move his neck as Batman. He's just... <laughs> Most the of them the couldn't use their necks as Batman. It's the it's, early costume designs. We, we had our Batman conversation a couple of weeks ago, but this is one thing we didn't talk about. I like how Christopher Nolan corrected that in Dark Knight and like updated the suit so that you know he could actually move his neck. And then Zack Snyder was like, nah, fuck that. And went <laughs> to the beefiest, chunkiest Batman cowl that I've ever seen to the point where, like, I don't know how, if he was able to turn his neck at all, even just like, uh, <laughs> like a fraction. I really do think Zack Snyder had something against Ben Affleck because what he did to him in that movie is just, it's unforgivable. <laughs> You know, Ben Affleck, a lot of, I don't know, there's a, there's, it's kind of a divide. You either loved it or you hated it. I find myself in the middle of that divide. I loved his Bruce Wayne. I thought his Batman was a little too brutal, but again, I don't blame any of that on Affleck. I blame that on the writing and the directing, but. He did the best with what he could. Yeah. I, I have nothing against Affleck Batman. He's not the Kilmer, the Clooney's. He's nowhere near that. <laughs> All right, let's bring it back to the main movie that we're talking about here. Kyle, Batman, thoughts? He's amazing. I would, again, I, I would probably have to go rewatch both Dark Knight and, and this Batman um, to really, like, formulate my thoughts. But, I mean, I, what, I, what I really loved is in the portrayal, uh, actually making him do more detective stuff staying away from he didn't use many gadgets he used some when he really needed to but it was more the detective skills trying to figure things out using the batmobile and using his fist which was <laughs> that was the best part was just him like two years into it he probably doesn't have as many gadgets as he should at this point you know as he's going to and he was mostly just out there beating dudes up and it was awesome because he's really good at it and just striking the fear. I mean, one of my favorite things in the whole movie is that first scene where they're showing all the, all of the different crime that's going on in the city. And then you show the bat signal and then you go back to all those, uh, all the crime happening. And the one guy looks down the dark alley and then the next guy looks down into a dark shadow under a pavilion. And then the, the, the people under the train look down another dark hallway. And it's just that fear that he has built over two years just the bat signal and him not even being there but him potentially being there basically stopped these people from what they're doing and to then go home and stop their crime for the night like but then he emerges from the one and just pizza they're all just like oh 
The one dude drops his spray can and it rolls into the shadows and he's like, uh, maybe I'm done with graffiti for the night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah something as simple as graffiti. The one guy was like robbing a convenience store. This dude was just spray painting walls and he's still scared shitless. I, I absolutely like, love it. I, I thought it was funny that the dude who robs the convenience store is wearing the drops like logo for a mask and then he gets hit by a cop car and they're like, hey, get out of the street. Like, I know that it's Halloween, but the dude's wearing the drug mask and he's got a gun in his hand and a wad of money in the other. Maybe show the corruption of the GCPD early on in the movie, but I thought it was funny that they're just like, oh, out of the way. And then they just keep so. driving. <laughs> but uh, any more thoughts on, on Pattinson? Pattinson? It's just awesome. He's just perfect. And some of the memes that have come with this new Batman have been amazing. This portrayal of batman is fully batman like we've kind of touched on already this is a bruce wayne that is more batman than bruce wayne it's kind of funny how in superhero movies they're like oh your mask isn't the one that you put on it's it's the the mask that you wear when you're out of the costume you know like your true self is that superhero not your secret identity and that's definitely the case with this batman I like how they've def- they definitely build on the fact that he does he's not the most experienced Batman. I mean, I'll, I've heard criticism about like, oh, I, I don't like watching a Batman that, you know, takes punches and gets his butt kicked every once in a while. It's like, no, like he's not perfect yet. He's still he's still learning. And he shows it again and again and again in this movie that like he's not perfect and he is still learning. And to me. It's more of a compelling story when you're watching your hero grow throughout the movie than just having, you know, Super Saiyan right away from the start who can end all be all. It's something that James Dunn does really well in Peacemaker too and having him take like really big falls and getting hurt and having trouble getting back up. Like Batman, I think at one point tries to ride on top of a train when he's, when he's escaping somewhere and he just falls off and crashes through a bunch of bins on the street. Like, and he just takes this huge fall and then he has to try to escape from the cops that are chasing him. Like it's, it's those kind of things that humanizes them. You can almost connect with them, but it's like you, I I don't know. Like you said, it, it, you get to see them grow that you don't want to see. I don't like Superman. Superman's too perfect. Okay, <laughs> but you get Batman who struggles and is still very early on in what he's doing. That's when you can grow. And that's that's what gets you invested. That's what makes you want to come back for a second one, too. It's even yeah. like d- different compared to like the Dark Knight, like in the Dark Knight, he goes through the League of Shadows and then the instant he gets back to Gotham, he's like, oh, I'm the Batman. I can kick everyone's ass. And this one, like like you said, there's still growth because he didn't have the proper training of like the Dark Knight. He just kind of learned it through they kind of hinted at alfred but probably some other forms of fighting classes like he it's almost more realistic than the dark knight in that way that he's not perfect he's not close to this ass kicking guy that could beat anyone up it's he's just a normal dude that's been doing this for two years (laughs) and one of the things that i enjoy too is during these fight scenes when he'd be in like mobs of people and like he would take a punch or two it almost like fueled that anger that he had going into those fights where then like he'd turn around and he'd be that much more vicious to that person who was lucky enough to land a punch or two while he wasn't looking. 
that's one of the things I love about this movie too is is the action. Uh, I've seen so many Batman movies that have just had like quick camera movements and quick edits to where like you can barely tell what's going on where you can tell that the actor has little to no combat training at all. You can't see anything that's going on. This movie has long shots of him just wailing on people. I mean, you get those cuts here and there in the editing, but for the most part, you can see everything that's going on and which makes it that much more convincing, that much more badass and definitely adds to his character. There is like one fight that specifically fights that comes out of my mind is uh, where they're in the club the penguins club i'm always afraid whenever i see that because it's just so dark lighting like they'd be like oh they could just hide it but like underneath like dark lights or editing and stuff like that this was there were multiple lawn shots in there where you could see everything that's going on it was really well done i was very impressed with that one on the flip side of that the no the the fight in the tunnel with the gunshot it's only lit up by the gunshots oh oh when in the elevator i was just about to yeah i could watch that scene on repeat for hours it was so well done it looked so cool and you can tell like it looks almost like it's being cut and chopped up and you put the best but i guarantee you that was probably like they took one take it might not have been first take but they took one take for that and it oh it just amazing one of my favorite scenes in The Dark Knight Rises is when he's going through the subway tunnels to get to Bane for their first combat. And they do that same thing with the machine gun, like, uh, flash. And he's just like, it's like almost a strobe light of him going in. But this movie, like, ups that. And I, when I was watching The Dark Knight Rises, I was like, this is badass, but I wish that it was longer. And the fact that this movie was like, hold my beer, I'll do it for you. <laughs> like. And I love that the elevator opens and they're all just like, what's going on? The dude's got his cell phone like flashlight on and they go inside and he's like hanging up in the corner and just jumps down on them and then starts going at it again. Action in this movie is is pretty top notch. But to go along with that, the fact that this is a detective movie, I love that we get to see this full investigation. It's not just Batman like throwing punches, knowing where to be, knowing all the answers at all times. Some of some of the the clues it was like, come on. Like even I can pick this up. Like like hello. <laughs> but you almost got to you got to take yourself out of that, you know? You just got to be in the movie, be in the moment. Again, he's learning. Jim Gordon, I guess doesn't know everything like give it to that too but like i liked the the detective side of things i loved his contact lenses that were like cameras and the fact that he's like i can't remember everything that happens in a night but i need to see and be able to go back and see everything that happens in a night like to me that was one of the most genius concepts that i'm surprised nobody has used yet well and it's almost like he blacks out when he's fighting <laughs> or when he's out there doing stuff like he literally just becomes batman and then when he gets back to the cave and he takes off the suit he's like bruce wayne's just like oh shit what did batman do tonight i need to go back and remember and the, what happened and the fact too that in in a movie called the batman he's the batman in the bat suit like 90 percent of the time he's barely out of that suit he's barely bruce wayne mm-hmm. he's barely got that mask off which most of the time these uh, high-starred actors are like, nope, 
I need at least a few scenes with my with the mask off. Like people need to see my face, know who who's up on screen that they're watching. And the fact that Robert Pattinson's like, nope, leave the mask on. That's my character. That's who I am. Like that's who I'm playing. Absolutely love it. So we'll we'll continue this Batman discussion more as we go along, but let's jump on to another character, Catwoman. Zoe Kravitz. It's Catwoman. Kyle, you look like you got some thoughts that are that are seeping out. <laughs> she did. Oh, it's so good. I mean, so we talked we talked about it when we were reviewing the Long Halloween. It was one of Chad's biggest gripes uh, was that Catwoman was a cat and would meow and like <laughs> like way too much of the persona while she, while she's by herself meowing and purring. I mean, that wasn't the case here, but like it, that's just what her persona became because of who she was and i i just the storytelling of it all i absolutely love it i'm trying to actually think of like it's just so good and the 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 way that they tie her into it to the the twist of who who she is in relation to the rest of the cat that like or to the rest of the the people in the movie like yeah i i just love the actual arc again the way that they twist how catwoman is sometimes with batman sometimes not with batman and the way that they told that story in this movie was such a good like it was so well done because at just just like in any good story you can see where she's coming from you can see where he's coming from so well done it was so easy to follow and get invested in both sides of the story i yeah i absolutely loved her performance i was gonna say i i loved the fact that she was always on her own side which falls very perfectly in line with her character in the comics like she'll help you out if that lines up with her ultimate end goal and if it doesn't she's not gonna help you say that can be for batman that can be for any of the criminals that can be for anybody like she's got her own set of goals her own agenda she's gonna stick to her beliefs and her her end game and she's not gonna let your ambitions and your your schemes get in the way of it that was one of the things that really stood out to me about uh the way that they wrote her character in this movie and and she's not scared of batman either if he has her when he has her on that mission as soon as her the mission turned to what she was interested in she immediately turned away from what he wanted she is not scared of him at all i was gonna say like i've always had a admiration for michelle pfeiffer's catwoman in the batman returns and i did like anne hathaway's version I didn't know what to expect of Zoe Kravitz because I only movie I really saw in it before that was a newer Mad Max where she barely had any lines. She did a fantastic job with this character. It was well-written. It was well-performed. Her chemistry with Robert Pattinson was top-notch. There was no part of me that doubted that these two were communicating properly, that everything was perfect with that. I have to agree. I love the fact that she was kind of on her own. Like, obviously, she's going to side more with Batman. But at the end, if she needs something or it's something that benefits her, she's going to take it. Yeah, just overall, fantastic performance. I would say probably my favorite Catwoman. As much as I, like I said, I admire the Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman. It is a little bit that nowadays, a little bit cringy moments with the meowing and the everything else. But the, the nine lives thing also with that. But it's a very good movie. Very good role from her. It's roles like this and performances when people are like, oh, which one do you like better? When it comes to Catwoman, you know, every 
it right now the argument is Michelle Pfeiffer or Zoe Kravitz and the way that I would categorize it is Michelle Pfeiffer is more like the classic comics Catwoman and Zoe Kravitz is definitely your more modern uh, updated take on Catwoman so I feel like it doesn't have to be one of those those which one's better like you can like both of them for different reasons the comic book nerd in me categorizes it that way where it's like all right michelle pfeiffer is going to be my classic uh comics catwoman zoe kravitz is going to be my updated catwoman and it all works well (laughs) well and it all depends on taste too i mean michelle pfeiffer is way more over the top goofy kind of like i was laughing at most of her scenes even though like she does a phenomenal job but like you know it's way back when they made the movie it, the very different time and very different uh purpose for making the batman movie uh so like it, it's completely two different mindsets it's almost hard to compare them like you said like you can you can like in you can like them both individually for different reasons i do really like the since this is a spoiler episode i could say this the whole twist like you said with falcone being her father and you could kind of when it came to the scene where she was about to shoot him and even the scene where she saw him dead you could like there was a realistic feeling of pain from her like that she wanted this guy dead and when she when he was finally dead she did kind of feel something as a daughter but at the same time was glad to see him gone i i was just very impressed with it and like you said it's the over it's the difference between the over the top comic book classic style or the I want this movie to be as realistic as possible style. I think she killed it. And you could like both actresses. You could like them equally for different reasons. I like that she challenges Batman too. And it's like, hey, like I got this guy, Mr. Vengeance. Are you going to take him out? Like, are you going to help me out? Like, like you say that you're going to like, this is, this is the ultimate end goal. There's no other way. And he's like, no, there's always another way. Like classic Batman coming in the mix but i i love the fact that she's got to challenge him with it too you know where it's not just oh okay like we'll do what you want to do like again she's definitely her own person that has her own set of goals has her own agendas is going to stick to her beliefs and is going to do what she wants to do and get the job done so we've talked to batman we've talked to catwoman but we we haven't forgotten one person yet take it easy sweetheart the penguin Played by Colin Farrell. The fact that he is so lost in this role and unrecognizable, he steals every scene that he's in. When you go into interviews with the actors and John Turturro, who plays Falcone, is like, I didn't even know that that was Colin Farrell. I had to go up to the producer and be like, what's up with that guy? Man, he looks rough. What's his story? And they're like, dude, that's Colin Farrell. And he's like, what? Like you get stories like that. Apparently there were several times where Colin Farrell walked on the set and he was told that he wasn't allowed there because like the it closed set, like we're shooting a movie here. And he's like, no, do you not see? Well, obviously you don't see who I am. Like that. It's just incredible. Like, it's weird to think that he's even in this movie. <laughs> He'd go to Starbucks in like his makeup just so that he wouldn't be recognized. He's again, he stole every scene that he was in in this movie which makes me even more excited for the spin-off penguin series that's coming to hbo max at some point i really love that he took like a like a new yorker accent and his first few lines in the movie 
I leaned over to my girlfriend and I was like, he's dipping into his Joe Pesci. He's trying to do a Joe Pesci accent here and he's killing it. Like there were only like maybe one or two times where I was like, that sounds like Colin Farrell for like a split second, but then immediately was back into that character. Absolutely oh, loved him. I was just like, I expected a lot from Colin Farrell. A lot of people give him crap because of Daredevil and SWAT and all those terrible movies from the early 2000s. But he was in a lot of good movies like In Bruges. And I was like, all right, you know, maybe he could kill this. But like you said, I didn't know there was Colin Farrell. I'm like, wait, this is the Penguin? This is Colin Farrell? <laughs> like, I was blown away by that. And he did a great job at being crazy. Like he was obviously insane but he wasn't going over the top kind of like that Danny DeVito penguin as much as I do actually secretly love that penguin (laughs) I was so disturbed watching that again oh my gosh so good but it's so so hard to watch (laughs) without that penguin Frank Reynolds from Sunny in Philadelphia would not exist I guarantee it (laughs) absolutely I could just I like while the first time he came on the screen all I could think about was I'm the trash man and that's I just ruined it basically (laughs) And it was great to see that character in probably my favorite scene in the whole movie, the car chase, and just how nuts he was going when he was like, this guy's crazy. And he's like driving all everywhere. It reminded me of like uh, that scene from Mad Max where the guy's like, oh, what a day, what a lovely day. Just crazy, you know, fearing for his life, but kind of secretly enjoying it. It was just a weird character. And I loved every second of it. I just love how much they made this realistic like we, we talked about it with selena kyle too like they just made this easier to sink into as far it, it, more so than more so than a marvel movie like so, some of these it's you know you there's the superpowers and stuff so it's very hard to kind of sink into it and get into it and really put yourself in there but with this whole movie they made it, it, it as realistic as they possibly could and i love how like he was just a kind, he was just a crime boss. That's really all he is. He has the nickname for reasons. He's Oz. Like he, they, I do again love the little touch that they put him in handcuffs and they left him there. So then he has to waddle away. That's a very <laughs> good touch. That's <laughs> phenomenal. But like they, yeah, I absolutely love how crazy, but still put together enough that he's able to do what he does. Just an absolutely awesome character. That that whole scene after the Batmobile too, where he's like, "What's this supposed to be? Good cop, bad shit cop." <laughs> and even it when it, such and, a good line. And the and the other the other big line from that whole scene too that really got me to it was when he was like, "World's greatest detectives," and I was like, "Yes, <laughs> yes," because yes. everyone calls Batman the world's greatest detective. So the fact that he's like, "Come on, mm-hmm. you don't know your laws from L's." <laughs> it could stick that character in any Martin Scorsese film and it would fit. Like no one would <laughs> judge it. That's this whole movie. It just it felt like it felt like the kind of movie that everybody knows. He's been very vocal about it. Martin Scorsese hates superhero movies, but this feels like the movie that he would be like, I'll do that. Because it wasn't this, a cash grab. That's the biggest is, thing I got from it. It's a Martin Scorsese movie that just happens to have Batman in it. That just happens to be in Gotham City. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's basically your Martin Scorsese gangster movie. Mm-hmm. It's so, so good. So perfect. I think that's why, like, The Dark Knight 
worked also too because it was a Christopher Nolan movie, but the Batman just happened to be into it. This wasn't, you know, I'm not going to say like our, all Marvel movies are like this, but you could tell some are definitely like cash grabs and Matt Reeves could have easily looked at this as a huge paycheck, but he was like, no, I want to make this right. And another thing that The Dark Knight did too that a lot of people don't really talk about is the fact that that movie did mostly focus on the crime families and the crime problems in Gotham City. More like you don't need your big supervillains. Granted, they definitely like lift the movie up. But if you don't want to do supervillains, you can just focus on those crime families in Gotham City. And you could you could get an entire series based off of just those crime families and that's batman's main problem in gotham city if you wanted to get that deep and grounded and real world with it if you were like i don't want to use any super villains i just want to focus on real scenarios that just happens to have a guy who dresses up like a bat and beats them up well you could that could be your main focus and think about the long Halloween, the comic that we just read. I, the main focus is the crime families and a serial killer. The the villains, the 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 actual like super villains, are used as like plot developments, are used as side quests almost, and throughout the whole book, it, some of them are teased as as the killer, but like the main part of it is real life crime and murder. <laughs> think why those two movies work together compared to like the other batman movies because the other batman movies like you said like every cop is a good guy and there's a one super villain is trying to rob a bank or destroy the world or whatever this one it's the dark knight and the batman are there is corruption in the judicial system whether it's the cops whether it's you know da or the mayor it's taking a realistic approach people are going to be more involved in the story if they're like oh this might happen like it's not impossible i like that we took uh, in this movie we take out the commissioner which leaves that position open for uh, a certain somebody that we all know that could easily fill that role we also took out the da in this movie which leaves a position open for another character that we all know very well it it sets up all these different possibilities that they could go into but they don't have to even Matt Reeves talks about that scene in Arkham at, towards the end of the movie with, again, this is the spoiler episode, <laughs> but just say it. <laughs> it's, it's pretty obvious that it's Joker that Riddler's talking to, but Matt Reeves is like, that doesn't mean he's the villain of the next movie. That doesn't mean he's the villain of the third movie. That just means that this is basically setting up of how messed up Gotham is and what characters are lurking in Gotham City that Batman may or may not have to deal with. And again, even like Batman Begins, like that Joker card reference, that wasn't supposed to be a thing for the next movie. Christopher Nolan just threw it in there. And the fact too, that it's, it's also kind of funny that that scene ends up towards the end of the movie. And then not even a week after this movie hits theaters, HBO announces that they are coming out with an Arkham series. <laughs> it's like, so hmm, I wonder who's going to be in that Arkham series. Hmm. And the casting is just, oh, cannot wait for it to see him. Even if, I mean, even if it's a small role, I cannot wait to see him. In yeah, that role. Joker. And uh, we've tiptoed around him long enough. The main villain of this movie, the Riddler. Thoughts? I don't know what to say about it other than like, I was 
this was probably one of the more captivating villains since the Joker, Heath Ledger's Joker. I love Paul Dano. He's a great actor. And almost again, kind of with Catwoman for like the completely different reason. I do like the Jim Carrey Riddler just because it's way over the top. You know, he's doing those riddles and stuff. The way it starts out with this movie with the Riddler killing the mayor, I was just like, wow, this is different than a Batman movie I saw. This isn't some super villain who's using like all these goofy gadget stuff. This is just a serial killer, like a crazy serial killer. And how it kind of used like modern techno, modern things with it, like how he has like that secret blog with like followers. It was just, it was so good, his role. I was so jacked to see him play the Riddler and he killed it. I'd say other than Heath Ledger's Joker, which is obviously, you know, I just think from now on, that's going to be the permanent, like greatest Batman role ever. He's number two. He's got to be an obvious number two, in my opinion. The opening scene where it's just him breathing very loudly while watching the mayor. And then we get into the mayor, like we, we cut to the mayor watching his uh, election speech on TV. And they have that shot of him like just watching the TV and the only lights coming from the TV and you see the glasses like reflect from the TV light in the background. I was like, Oh shit. He's in there with him. Like, and then when the mayor walks away and you get the full view of him, I was just like, like that scene alone was creepy as hell. And then it just ramps up from there. This guy is messed up. He's super creepy. I this movie gets referred to a lot as like the Batman movie. If Seven had Batman in it, the movie Seven, and it definitely comes from this portrayal of the Riddler, something I've never seen before. Not in the comics. The Riddler has never been portrayed this way before. So it was fresh. It was different. It was interesting. I loved his uh, almost like saw type traps that he would have on some of his victims, like the rat trap around the commissioner's head. And then creepy as hell. (laughs) The bomb around the DA's neck with the with the phone at the funeral scene, which definitely that scene was one of the highlights for me. And then, yeah, the fact that this portrayal of this villain felt so real and grounded that watching this i was like this could actually happen some messed up dude could definitely in any city do all these traps to victims to police to higher ups of a city could bring in followers on social media and build up an army and try to take out the upper elite like this could actually happen which made it that much more scary Well, and not only that, but it already kind of did. They took so much from the Zodiac Killer and from what we have seen as like a mainstream audience of watching the Zodiac movie. Like they have, they took so much and tried to incorporate that into the Riddler instead of it being the over the top goofy, I'm going to tell a riddle and it's going to be kind of funny, but also super dark because I just killed a guy. These are like dark, like these are puzzles more than they are riddles. I just absolutely love the tie-ins of the Zodiac stuff. It was so with his own cipher and his own language. 
awesome. Absolutely loved that. The glasses call back to Jim Carrey's Riddler, which I thought was mwah, such a good touch. Absolutely love that. I this I as much as I love the elevator gun scene, right? Favorite scene in the entire movie has to be when they're talking at Arkham. Bruce Wayne. Oh, oh. Just the fact, like, he's crazy enough to think that he is, like, I do fully believe that the Riddler thinks that the Batman is working with them, that they're going to be buddies and they're going to take down the corruption. I was like, what a twist that was, too. Like, half of that conversation, you're like, he's saying Bruce Wayne because he knows that Batman's Bruce Wayne. And then it's not that he knows that Batman is Bruce Wayne. The fact that Bruce Wayne was the only target that survived. And then we get into the reveal that he thinks that him and Batman are working together. But it's so, then... that's, that's what makes it so interesting. And Paul Dano, I cannot give him enough credit for the way he delivered these lines because you have to assume, okay, he, so he said he had this planned out almost minute to minute. He had to, like, this is how everything had to work. He knew what he was doing from the minute he started and it went beat by beat. The fact that he sent that package to Wayne Manor and Bruce survived but he knew where Batman was and what he was doing at the time. There is a part in me as an audience member, and I've seen this out there too, that the Riddler could then, he's smart enough, we know, could put two and two together saying, huh, interesting that Bruce Wayne didn't, like, he wasn't even home for this. Uh, we don't see him very much, but we see the Batman. Like, there's there's every part, like, Paul Dano and Riddler, they absolutely maybe he maybe he was just maybe that was just cinematic effect making us as the audience think that he knew and then there's that twist oh he doesn't know or maybe that's riddler throwing out the name bruce wayne you see bruce looking up at the camera to see if the camera like just maybe he's being filmed maybe his identity is being outed right now maybe riddler was trying to get a reaction out of him saying bruce wayne maybe he almost wanted him to confess that that was his identity but at the same time maybe he still doesn't know maybe he didn't put it together and maybe he actually wanted to work with batman to kill to get rid of these elite people i absolutely cannot praise this scene enough the directing the dialogue the acting everything in that scene was just perfect to not only keep the riddler strong in defeat because he basically won he got his wall blown up keep him strong keep batman interesting and keep that story going i just absolutely was blown away after that scene my i was just jaw on the floor during that entire monologue there's already talks of uh there's already talks of this movie being up for next year's oscar run it's gotta be if if paul dano doesn't get nominated for best supporting actor and they don't show that scene for like his clip after he's in that like in the show when he's announced what are you doing academy yeah like come on the, <laughs> the biggest robbery i will ever see with academy was uh jake gyllenhaal for nightcrawler oh, but if that happens yes, to paul dano i think that tops it like there's there was nothing wrong with his performance it was there it was so well acted and as mean as it sounds to say, Paul Dano should just play more creepy people. He just kills it every time. <laughs> every time he plays a creeper, yeah. Because even uh, you think of Prisoners, that other movie that he was yeah. in. Even like There Will Be Blood where he plays that uh, minister guy who's like super out there. That's just, just keep doing what you do, Paul. Keep, killing <laughs> it. keep being creepy. 
So we touched on him a little bit. I feel like it'd be sacrilege to leave him out of the conversation. John Turturro as Falcone. Going into this movie, when I heard that he was going to be Falcone, I was like, really? Mr. Deeds Butler? (laughs) Jesus is going to be Falcone? Come on. Totally forgetting the fact that this dude's got acting chops. He takes more of the comedy roles than the serious roles. But he absolutely killed it in this movie. Like, going into this movie, that's not how I pictured Falcone. I mean, granted, we just talked about the book that fully features him on full display, The Long Halloween, where he's definitely drawn to look like he's come right out of The Godfather. So that's typically what I picture for Falcone. But seeing this movie, within like the first, I don't know, minute of him on screen i was like yep that's falcone that that's him and completely blew it away to the point where again this is the spoiler talk if you haven't figured that out already when he dies in this movie i was like come on not already we couldn't stretch this out for one more film again falcone in the books he bites the dust at some point, but I, I wanted more. And that tells a lot from the performance that John Turturro gave. I just think that if you're an actor and you've just played really bad roles, just go into this movie. We had Colin Farrell, who was Bullseye and Daredevil, rejuvenate his career through this. We had Robert Pattinson with Twilight, and now we have Transformers to the Batman. It's I was very impressed with his acting in this movie. I wasn't kind of expecting much. I kind of saw his name on the list. I'm like, oh, I hope he's not will be that much, but he played the role perfect. I do think that he proved that he does have the acting chops. He deserves roles like this. Again, maybe not, obviously I'm not saying like put him in every big blockbuster, but it's time to take him as a serious actor. He's not just a guy from Mr. Deeds or that weird guy in Transformers. He's, he's a legit actor. Well, and again, we talk about good scenes, that whole scene with him and Bruce, talking about what happened with his parents too i mean awesome just so so well done with selena kyle looming in the background too i mean and plus just the story arc of that too i i always commend movies for trying to make things different and robert pattinson did a really good job of being his own batman everyone did a really good job of being their own characters while still staying true to the character and it's a lot same thing with the movie the movie did a really good job of being a batman movie without oh okay, here's young Bruce Wayne. Oh no, they're at the movies in the alley. Boom, dead, dead parents. We, it, everyone knows, a lot, every, just like Spider-Man, everyone knows that Uncle Ben dies. Everyone knows that, that Bruce Wayne's parents die. We don't need to see it again, but they still revisit it and they still dive into it. And I think that was what was so good about, this was still a quote unquote origin movie for us. This was our introduction to the character, but we didn't have to see everything. We didn't have to see his parents die and him, create the bat suit in the cave and all that stuff we just we we got to see a couple years later i i loved that choice that twist too that the waynes aren't the the goody goody like golden children of gotham the fact that they are human and that they do have their flaws like everyone that to me was a very dangerous line to tiptoe on that i feel like they managed to get across that type rope and over to the other side that's something that 
could have easily been done so wrong to corrupt the Waynes. But the fact that they did it to the point where Alfred's like, no, your father was still a good man. He regretted in a moment of weakness going to Falcone, not telling him to kill him, but just to intimidate him. And the fact that Falcone did it, and that's what evidently led to their death, was so brilliant. Again, for me as a comic book fan, growing up and knowing, like you said, this story backwards and forwards, the general public knows it. But when you go into the actual comic book lore of it too, and then to see that portrayal, again, something that I've never seen before. I found super fascinating. I love when you can take something that is so well known to so many people and put a different enough spin on it to make it different, but not offensive. The twist that he was the rat too is just, I did not see that one coming either. Like you think with every comic book movie, every Batman movie, Oh, this guy, you know, is working with this guy. It's like, Oh wow. That, that came out of nowhere. I was very impressed with that twist. We just read The Long Halloween, so I wasn't... I knew right away. Uh, I was like, oh, it's really? Falcone. I, still, I, I, still, I didn't. I figured that it was either Batman or Falcone. But the fact that they were like, oh, it's the Penguin, and even him, even Penguin, after he gets taken out by the Batmobile and they're interrogating him, he's like, a stool rat with wings? Like, that sounds like a bat to me. And I was like, <laughs> that was my first thought. I thought that was a bat, too. <laughs> Two more characters, and then we'll continue on with this conversation. Jim Gordon, Jeffrey Wright, can't leave him out. Again, a Jim Gordon that a different take on the character, one that we haven't seen before. I liked him. I thought he was a really good supporting character. I felt like with what they gave him to do, he did a really good job. I liked the fact that him and Batman actually felt like partners. Again, we've been talking about it a lot lately because we just read the book and did a few episodes on it. But like, even when you think of the long Halloween, it definitely felt like Batman knew a lot more than Gordon and Gordon was more or less like his little pet that he had to drag along. This movie, they at times they felt like equals, like they were both in it. They both knew the same amount of information. They both had the same amount of trust for each other. One helped out another in one situation and then vice versa. And I, I liked the partnership that this Jim Gordon brings with Batman to this movie. I've always felt like Jeffrey Wright, unfortunately, was that guy that everybody knew who he was, but they can never remember his name. He's like, oh, it's the, the guy from Westworld. I hope now he's... James more- Bond's friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hope it kind of gets him more recognized because I do find him to be a fantastic actor. Like you said, I love his talking with Batman. The one scene I do love with him is where he like, everyone get out of the room. And then he looks at Batman. He's like, I want you to punch me. (laughs) We got to get you out of here. And then the next scene where they're together, he's like, you could have held that your punch. And he's like, I did. <laughs> love that. I it just makes me because you Brian, you told me about the HBO series that were coming before the movie. I was already excited about the Gotham PD, and now I'm even more just I think that's going to be fantastic. That's now the Arkham series. 
They're not doing oh, the okay. Gotham PD anymore. Oh, now it's the I can imagine they're still. I James Wright was heavily like supposed to be in that, so I would assume they're still going to. Unless he's the main protagonist of Arkham, right now I they. Who else would be? Yeah, right now they've just they've announced for sure Greenlit, Penguin, and Arkham, and Matt Reeves did come out and say that the GCPD series that was supposed to come to HBO Max is now the Arkham series. So, interesting. Hopefully, then Gordon's our main good guy in Arkham, but who knows? We might get somebody else. But still, just hell out of Jeffrey Wright if that's the case. But like he, yeah, just an amazing job. I absolutely love what they did with Gordon again. It early, not early on in his career, obviously, but like early enough where he's not the commissioner yet. So like he's he's still out there. Him and Batman aren't perfect. They're still out there making mistakes. They're following the wrong lead. Pretend like they're they're not quite getting the riddles. They're not the world's best detective even duo, but they're still good enough to get the job done. They're still the good guys. They're still doing what's right. I thought they did just an amazing, because there's always, when, when you do that kind of stuff and when you make people, especially the protagonists, not completely understand something or miss something it, there's a very dangerous line like you were talking about earlier of making them look stupid almost or making them look like they don't know what they're doing but i again i think they told that line very well to make them look like they still know what they're doing they just they're also very passionate and now they're trying to especially as it goes on they're trying to get him as quickly as possible so they may be kind of jumping the gun on some of these leads it felt more like they were working together more than like the Batman was just telling Gordon, Hey, this is what's going on. It felt like they were actually working together. They were doing real detective work without Gordon. Batman might've not been able to solve some things. It, it was a nice refresher to see Gordon. That was like that. And last, but certainly not least the last character that we have not fully talked about yet in the Batman movie that's worth talking about the Batmobile. Ah! This vehicle was a character in this movie because this was a beast. This was a straight up monster when it was on screen. The fact that it actually roared when it made its first appearance, the sound in that scene alone was so great. The fact that you could actually feel that engine revving, building up that anticipation, leading into one of the best scenes of the entire movie. Going into this movie, I was like, that's a pretty sweet Batmobile. It looks like a like an old muscle car. It's pretty legit. It's got souped up motors and engines in the back. It's pretty sweet. Walking out of this movie, I was like, this may be my favorite Batmobile. This thing was a beast. And I absolutely loved seeing it on screen. The whole scene, the whole car chase, the idea to put the camera on a sidecar, basically, and putting you right in the action of Penguin's car and the Batmobile. I absolutely like looking forward at what Penguin's driving through, what he's trying to do to get away from this maniac who's chasing him and to see what bat and to see what's following him from his point of view to see the maniac coming at him i 
absolutely loved everything and the upside down shot too i mean we saw it in the trailer but it was even cooler within the movie like that entire scene blew me away i love it because it wasn't like the other batmobiles where it's super technology driven it's like oh it could turn into a helicopter or a plane (laughs) or a boat or whatever you want it to be it's an actual tank that's painted black i was (laughs) i've never been a massive fan of car chase scenes like I do like some certain car chase scenes, but like you're never gonna watch me see like the Fast and Furious movies. This was just like 10 minutes of pure adrenaline where I was like, oh my God. (laughs) The whole, you know, going in and weaving between traffic, Penguin like breaking so that way everything crashes behind. It was, oh, that scene was amazing. (laughs) I have nothing against that scene. Probably, I would say it's definitely one of my top action movie scenes out there it's just so well done i need to see that again it's gotta be on youtube by now (laughs) we've praised this movie to the highest of highs were there any lows for you guys in this movie were there any nitpicks any issues that stood out to you while watching this movie for me personally it it's not a perfect movie but it's a pretty damn good movie but i want to hear i want to hear your guys's takes first anybody have any issues or problems with this movie no <laughs> oh. uh, only i i only say that because I've, I've only seen it the once i'd have to watch it again but coming out of it the first time maybe it was just because i was in just such awe especially of paul dano i i didn't have too many things wrong with it i'd have to go back and watch it again but I'm also not as hard on movies as a lot of other people are. I, it's not something I'm proud of, but I enjoyed the first Suicide Squad when I first watched it. So like, mm. I, there's, there's things that <laughs> I, I'm very easy on movies when, when it comes down to it. So this, so with this movie being as good as it was, it was hard for me to even find something that I didn't like. But again, I, the second time I watch it, I might probably be like, eh, you know, maybe there, there might've been a scene that I didn't like or something. There wasn't a lot wrong with this movie, but like you said, it's not a perfect movie. I call this the anti-Zack Snyder, where they should have cut out some scenes instead of adding some scenes. As much as I did enjoy, you know, that little teaser with him talking to the Joker, I felt like that could have been a little bit short. It almost felt almost kind of thrown in there. That's what I kind of felt. And that whole ending scene with Batman and Catwoman, there is, it just needed to be cut down a little it's not major gripes I have with it. It's not like, you know, skip the last 10 minutes of the movie. Go for sure. Watch it. There was kind of that one scene where it's Alfred and Bruce talking. He's like, you're not my father. And he's like, I know. I wasn't a massive fan of that scene. I don't know why there was, there was something with it. It kind of reminded me of the Lego Batman. Where <laughs> that's the only other movie where I've seen like, Bruce and Alfred like have these differences where Bruce kind of treats him like crap and then this one's gonna be odd I don't know what his role was in this movie I feel bad but it's like the chief of police or something like that with that weird Marlon Brando voice yeah (laughs) when I watched it for the second time this weekend too I was like what is up with your voice captain of the police force like what why, I don't know his name. Why I just you sound like a Mickey Mouse character when you talk? <laughs> I was like, what is going on? I, first time I watched it was with my girlfriend and she's a speech language pathologist. She like literally whispers in my ear with this. He's like, I fucking hate this guy's voice. 
<laughs> and then the next day I go with my buddy, Kyle, and a different Kyle. <laughs> there's a lot of us. There's there's quite a few. <laughs> but uh, that scene comes on and that's all I could pay attention to. I'm just kind of like ignoring the dialogue. I'm like, God, if they could have just got like a different actor, I'd have no problems with the scene. And that's, you know... I love the it's it's just a few minor gripes. It's not a perfect movie, but you can't go into a movie expecting to be perfect, especially especially one that's based off a comic book. You gotta expect some things that are gonna be a little eh. But no, that's very minor. Nothing that's would say you wouldn't watch this if Suss and Chess scene. I will actually say I was expecting more Andy Circus as Alfred. I yeah. very much enjoyed what he did. I that scene that you talked about. I it, I like that only again because the Long Halloween they played into that in one of the chapters. Um, so I was very much I thought that was it's always some it wasn't something that I ever thought about until I read the Long Halloween, and then you think about Alfred raising him and that kind of thing, and Alfred then takes on that responsibility of your life could have been different enough if I was a better dad. So now that now that I've read that, I have a different appreciation for that relationship. So I enjoyed that scene. I can see that I can see the gripe behind it though different feeling to me that's right exactly yep. that's something i should get over but yeah <laughs> no absolutely i know a lot of people have complained about like the third act of this movie but i feel like it works perfectly with this movie i did notice the second time there's one or two really quick lines about the walls around gotham city because everybody's like what's up with these walls that just happen to be there conveniently at the end of the movie uh for him to blow up for the water to come in there, there are like one or two really quick lines about the walls in the I think, towards the beginning of the movie. So I don't know if it's a spoken line or if it's a news report, like at the bottom of the ticker or something, or maybe in a newspaper. But they do, they talk about like construction being slowed down or something being wrong with building the wall, like finishing it. So there, like you said, it's very hard to if you're not really paying attention, you are gonna miss that kind of stuff because it did kind of catch me off guard when I first watched it until I saw some people breaking it down on YouTube and stuff. So yeah, I, I, they, they probably should have brought it up a couple more times. It was kind of felt like the dark night rises where like Bane's like, I'm going to blow up all these bridges. I'm like, wait, there's a bunch of bridges everywhere. And then <laughs> that happens. That's with the wall. Like safety's like, I'm going to blow the wall to this. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. There were a couple conveniences to this movie. Again, it, this is getting super nitpicky, but like, the fact that Commissioner Gordon isn't up on his Spanish, let alone Batman too, with the Ellen Laws and like yeah. some of the riddles did take a little too long to figure out. And then while I loved the police station scene, at the same time, I was like, A, how have they not trying to take off his mask until yeah. literally getting him to the police station? And B, up to this point, everyone's like, oh, Gordon, you're helping out the Batman. Is he like your buddy? Is he your friend? Why Why is he here? Why are you letting him here? And then they're like, we're going to give you the room for two <laughs> minutes alone. And we'll lock ourselves out. I was like, no. <laughs> like if, not- I, if I was the captain I'd, and he'd be like, can we have the room? I'd be like, fuck no. You're probably <laughs> working with him. He's that, always that could- by you. He's always with you. Like, why do you want the room alone with him? So you have a you fucking can... signal for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that could have that could have been that could have been the corrupt police being 
so scared of what the Riddler's doing, though, that they're resorting to, okay, no, maybe we do actually need Batman to be on our side for this. So we're going to use the relationship that he has with Jim Gordon. Again, that's just that canon that I had in my, in, in my head. The one, as much as I do like that scene, there was like, where like, they're having this couple, like, I'm going to fuck you up. And then everybody's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And it was just over in like five seconds. Like, <laughs> Can we just kind of build off of this a little bit. <laughs> I'm not saying anything bad about the performance when I say this, but I know it's going to be kind of a, uh... It's kind of going to be a little bit touchy of a, of a statement, but while I loved Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman and I loved seeing Catwoman in this movie, what the hell is she doing in this movie? The whole like, oh, my, my Russian girlfriend from the club is like missing and that's why I'm like in this whole movie and that's why I'm helping you out. We need to find out where she is. Like, first of all, her pictures go up on the news and every, and they're trying to get out of the country, but everyone's going to leave her alone. Catwoman's going to leave her alone. Batman's going to leave him alone. Of course, they're going to take her at that time. And of course she's dead. And then the fact that she like, not even two days after she's dead, Catwoman and Batman are kissing and they're like, kind of sort of a thing, but not really. And it's like, like, it's clear that Catwoman was like dating this girl. She yeah. calls her babe on the phone, like, we're gonna get out of the city, like we're gonna be together, we're gonna get out of this, we're gonna go do our own thing. The fact that this Russian girl that we see for literally two seconds is such a main like focus to this movie. I was like, why? Like, couldn't it have just been enough the fact that like Catwoman is Falcone's daughter? And, like, she's grown up her whole life in this line of crime. She's seen it firsthand. She knows how bad of a person he is. You got to know that he's been running the city for your entire life. Like, that should be enough for you to be like, we need to take this guy out. But the fact that it's, like, this girl that's, like, her main, like, staple of being in the movie and then... Once she's out of the picture, I'm going to make out with Batman. Yeah, like, it's come on. Could, it could have been resolved with like, yeah, we work together. We're friends. And then that could have been finally. And then when she is dead, it wanted, it did kind of feel a little bit odd that she just got over her, if not girlfriend, like best friend's death that quick. It was a little bit odd. I wish they would have just been flirty in this movie. And we know that Zoe Kravitz and Catwoman's coming back. She has to. She did oh, such a great job. It's such an iconic role. You have to bring her back. When she comes back, then introduce the relationship. Then bring it that step forward. They didn't need to kiss in this movie. I think the story could have worked how they did it if they would have told it slightly different. If they would have maybe established... I think the reason that they didn't do the friend and they made it the girlfriend, maybe they were trying to force in having a bisexual character, which is oh, awesome. Totally. <laughs> awesome to have that representation. Super cool. But it, I think the way that they did it did kind of seem like we want this in the movie. So we're going to tell it super quick, but then we're going to move on to Batman and Selena. But like they could have established that relationship more had Selena already be like suspicious and almost trying to do something against Falcone and then that's when that happens with the girlfriend 
And then that's when she gets super like, okay, no, I need to take care of this. Again, have Batman and her flirt, not actually really establish anything. I mean, it could have worked, but I, yeah, I, I, now that you say that, they're, they definitely. And the fact kinda... that, like, she shows that she's a cat burglar, that she can break in the safes and she can mm-hmm. steal anything she wants, but yet she's still, like, working at the club and she's not yeah. using that as, like, an angle to, like, get information or to, like, build up blackmail on people or to, like, get the upper hand in that sense, but she's just working there. I was like, like, it, it could have been written a a lot better to make more sense for her to be in the movie it it definitely felt like it felt like warner brothers was like catwoman needs to be in this movie find a way to get her in here (laughs) and he's like oh i guess this can work because you you take her out of the movie and the movie still works yeah it's i can see that point i it was a good catwoman but i definitely see where you're coming like you said like if they would just had like her and Batman being flirty, like it would have been a little bit more natural. And it's just weird because the chemistry was perfect between Pattinson and Kravitz. It just almost felt forced in that way too. Now that you kind of say that. And again, I loved Zoe Kravitz in the role. I loved seeing the character in the movie. I liked what Zoe Kravitz did with the character in the movie. I felt most of the time I was just like, why are you here though? Like, I like what I'm seeing, but why are you here? And my last here. And my (laughs) and my last tiny gripe with the movie was Bruce Wayne and Alfred. Like you you touched on a little bit there, Tater. He was a dick. He's a dick to Alfred. And it makes no sense why Alfred would help him out, why Alfred would train him to be Batman, which they definitely like hinted and alluded to that's what happened. Why would you do this when this guy is such a dick to you? For 20 years at this point. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then I'll bring up one of my girlfriend's gripes. So the scene in the hospital was so great between Bruce Wayne and Alfred. And we, we got this great character growth moment. Then the, the walls come down and the city gets flooded and Batman's like, oh, fuck you, Alfred. You're in the hospital, I guess, but I'm not going to check on you. I didn't oh, God, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I didn't think about it either, but my girlfriend brought it up. She's like, we had that, that great moment with Bruce and Alfred. She felt the same way. She's like, I was forgiving him for being such a dick. But then he leaves Alfred in the hospital after the flooding happens and doesn't check on him. And I was like, well, it does take him a while to show up like at the election rally. Like maybe that's where he was. He was checking on to make sure, but we don't see it. No, we could have shown that. Maybe oh. he was on the top floor. Maybe he was like, he'll be fine. But he was just, it was, it was just too, too angsty where it was like, you're not my father. And it was like, that's something that a 16 year old would say, not like a 23, 24 year old, whatever age you're supposed to be at this point. Like, Come on, dude. <laughs> he would have quit the instant that kid's 18. He would have been like, I'm done. Right? If he's he like loves that, him. that, yeah, if he's like that the entire 20 years, like Alfred would have to be like, fuck you guy. I'm gone. Like, I'm retiring. <laughs> I miss Tom. <laughs> the the Waynes left me some money besides these cufflinks. I'm gonna take that as my early retirement. Right. But yeah, otherwise I love the movie. Again. 
a lot I of- wish it would show more Alfred because I love yeah. Andy Serkis. Yeah, so good. So he good. needs a bigger role, but we didn't really talk about him. I love the fact that he was helping him out. Oh, even yeah. though even though Bruce wasn't asking for his help, he's like, Hey, I I found the ciphers, like I figured this out, I figured that out. Like it it still felt Alfred, but I just like like you said, I wish we would have gotten more in him and I more of him, and I wish that Bruce wouldn't have been such a dick the whole time. I don't think we've ever had a bad Alfred now that I think about it. Even in like the bad Batman movies, Alfred's always been a solid character. Yeah, I just wish now it just makes me wish Batman wasn't such a dick to him. <laughs> like, All right. Know. Let's let's wrap this talk up with favorite scene or scenes of the movie. Easily Riddler and Batman. I mean, you can you can have the car chase, you can have the the machine gun fight. The, the Riddler and Batman, Paul Dano, just is just so phenomenal. Like you said, if he doesn't win any awards for that, it's going to be a crime. And I will actually, I don't care about award shows. I never watch. I will watch. And if he doesn't win, I will throw, I will throw hands with someone. <laughs> with the Academy of 80-year-olds? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I will. Uh, I always separate between like scenes and shots. When it comes to like my favorite scenes, it's either the car chase and the scene with the Riddler and Batman in Arkham and it comes like every movie has like that shot where it's great example the Dark Knight where the Joker is holding the mask waiting for the guys to pick him up for the bank robbery for a while I thought it was gonna be that car chase the penguins upside down looking at Batman in the flames the shot for me in that movie is where he has the red flare and he's guiding all the people out that was just where I was like this is perfect cinematography like it those scenes just kind of stick out in my mind where I'm just going to remember them. There's a lot of memorable scenes. There's a lot of things you could go back like, oh, you remember this, remember this. But those two scenes of those two shots, I will never forget with this movie. You just reminded me, there is one more gripe I had with this movie. Oh, no. Brian, you you just hated this movie. (laughs) I did not hate this movie, but (laughs) the trailers, I hate, after watching the movie, they showed so many cool scenes that I wish that I would have seen for the first time in the movie, like that car chase scene. And especially after the car flips and Batman's walking towards the car upside down. I, and even when penguins like, I got you. And the, the Batmobile comes out of the, the flaming fireball. I wish we wouldn't have seen that in the movie. The, the shots of the machine gun elevator scene. Wish we wouldn't have seen those in the movie. The fact that they open the trailer up with them arresting Riddler, yeah, I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I get that you have to sell this movie and that there's not a whole lot of action scenes that you can throw in this trailer because there's not a whole lot of action scenes in the movie. But don't show us like those big moments in the trailer. I hate when trailers do that. My only devil's advocate defense is that this is DC and their track record has not been good lately. So they probably were like, all right, we kind of have to really sell this movie with this trailer. That's my only, like, I completely agree. And again, when I saw Riddler getting arrested in the trailer, I was like, oh, so that happens like halfway through the movie and he breaks out. Like, that's what I was thinking. So yeah, I can, I can, I can get that too. I do have a problem with the Riddler being arrested, but at the same time, at least that wasn't like the twist. Like we all knew that who the Riddler was type of thing and that he would get eventually arrested, but that, but there was no lead up to like, oh yeah, by the way, I got going to blow up the city. 
technically. I like that that was part of his plan, where it was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to get arrested, and everybody's going to think that that's it. And but we can really, watch. We can sit here and watch. Yep. So I'm, I'm kind of with Tater, where I've got a favorite scene, and I've got, like, favorite shots. My favorite scenes, because it's kind of like a, a full long sequence, would be the start of the funeral through Batman escaping the police department. Like that whole 20 minutes right there was so solid, so captivating. Like, I feel like that was when I was into the movie the most was that whole scene there, like Bruce Wayne still being Batman when everybody's like, Oh, it's Bruce Wayne. But he's like definitely being the detective, like trying to find the Riddler trying to get the the drop on Falcone and then the car coming in and that whole like I'm not gonna kill you right away like I'm gonna toy with you a little bit see if you'll spill the beans and if you don't then I'll spill the beans for you and then the police department which I said my gripes about the police department but at the same time I was like I love this like this is so (laughs) great I I can have problems with it but still like what I'm what I'm watching at the same time kind of oh yeah again going back to Catwoman but I think that was my favorite stretch of the movie. Definitely like the Batmobile chase was up there. The machine gun fight in the elevator scene was up there. That first fight in the iceberg lounge before Penguin shows up, like that was great too. And even the fight in the train station, so many great parts of this movie. But I have to agree with Tater too, when you said that your favorite like shot of the movie is when he's leading the people out with the flare. And I loved the imagery that the people looked like his cape just elongated. It was so good. So good. Well, especially because like one of my favorite parts about the beginning of the movie of him being in the shadows and creating that fear. That's how they start the movie. But at the end of the movie, he's the light that's leading them to a new Gotham. I absolutely love visual storytelling like that. Well, the fact too that like he's learned that like I can't I can't be vengeance. Like I have to be justice. Like I can't just be, I can't just be the fear. And he looks up into the sky and he's not like squinting at the sun because he's not like, he's used to it now that, yep. Again, there's one, there's one little potential Easter egg that I want to bring up that I don't know that I haven't heard a whole lot of people talk about. And I don't know if a whole lot of people caught, but when he's up in the third act of the movie when he's up in the rafters and that dude pulls Catwoman off of him after he's like gone through all that and he's got to inject himself with what looks like adrenaline there's a theory out there that I'm that I'm leaning towards that I'm with that at first viewing I thought that it was adrenaline as well (laughs) obviously but then listening to other nerds talk about it, I was like, ooh, that makes sense. Definitely points towards that. And I will go with that fan theory that it wasn't adrenaline, but it was venom, which is what ooh. Bane uses to juice up and get super powerful. Because the thing about venom is it definitely heightens your emotions, especially anger. And Venom in the books is also green. That liquid in whatever he ejected himself with, that definitely looked green. And he definitely got got angry to the point where people would be like, dude, dude, enough, enough. Like, (laughs) almost went too far. Just saying. 
I, I, I'm going with the fan theory that that was venom and not adrenaline. It's just thinking about now most of the, like what we talked about with the intro of the Riddler, that whole scene right there was just fantastic. It's is any scene with Paul Dano, it took your attention right to that. Like you were not going to ignore anything that was going on. There's just so many scenes in that movie that I could see people like, Oh, this was my favorite scene. The car chase, the intro of the Riddler, the, ending there's just so many parts of this movie that someone will have a different opinion of what was their favorite scene in this movie which is awesome it's you don't get many movies like that especially when it comes to superhero movies every superhero movie's got that one scene that everyone loves this one has so many that you can choose from and that dear friends is our spoiler discussion on the batman before we close up, we're going to hit one of our favorite topics on this show, the best stuff. Our guest here, Tater, he's got a best stuff recommendation for you all this week. Let's hear it. All right. A lot of people probably have already seen this series, but season four of Drive to Survive F1 is out. I just binged that. My girlfriend and I binged that in one sitting. We started this show, neither of us watching F1, not knowing anything about it. It does a fantastic job, although now watching F1 because of the show, there is some dramatization, but you got to sell it on that. It's, it's captivating. You get to learn why the sport is so loved across the world, why these guys are the biggest celebrities, so wealthy. It's something to look forward to if you like shows like Hard Knocks when it comes to football or even shows that talk about different companies or anything where it just follows people in depth you start to get to love and appreciation where my brothers and i talk about which we've never talked about racing we watch the races and they are in europe so you have to wake up at 6 a.m sometimes to watch this it's if you're looking for something that's binge worthy you kind of want to get into racing or you've never had an interest in it but you kind of want to see why everyone has interest in it i'd highly suggest it it's on netflix season four you will binge it. You will definitely binge it if you start it up. I also have a best staff recommendation for this week. Also from Netflix, movie that dropped last week, The Adam Project, starring Ryan Reynolds, Jennifer Garner, and our favorite Hulk, Mark Ruffalo, Ooh. with Zoe Saldana as well. Uh, this is a movie that sees Ryan Reynolds in the future having to go back to the past to team up with his younger self to stop some evil doings that's going on. It's as spoilerific as I'm going to get into this movie. It's a lot of fun. The action's really great. The actors are all really great. Ryan Reynolds, of course, always kills it. It's a touching movie as well. It definitely was a tearjerker at times. Uh, it hit a lot harder than I expected it to going into this movie. One of the better Netflix movies that I've watched in a very long time. So can't say any more good things about it. Highly recommend The Adam Project up now on Netflix. Good to know. Next week, we are going to talk about Batman for one more week. We are going to take all 14 Batman movies that includes live action, an animation, if it had a theatrical run. 
So all 14 Batman movies, we are going to take these and we are going to rank them best to worst, number one to number 14, or vice versa. We're going to have a complete full Batman conversation. We've had a great conversation this week. The three of us, Kyle here with uh, Elliot Tater, Barthel Tater, I am officially stretching out my hand through this Zoom screen, through my camera, offering you the chance to join us again next week on this Batman ranking discussion episode, if you so choose. I would be honored. I need to rewatch them. I might need my girlfriend to be a test audience, which unfortunately means she's going to have to go from the 89 Batman, which I know she won't like to, it's just getting drastically worse, but I would love to make a list with this. Awesome. All right. So that's going to be our discussion next week. Another reminder, we are for our next Midwesterners reads. We are going to be diving into the Moon Knight series by Jeff Lemire. Last week, they released the complete collection that contains all 14 issues of that series. We are going to do another uh, deep dive conversation about that series like we did with Batman The Long Halloween. We are planning to do that a month from now. I realize that Moon Knight will have already been up and running at that point, but we wanted everybody to have a chance to get a hold of the book, read the series if they want to. Highly suggest that you do because we're going to talk a lot of spoilers when we discuss this book. And then that gives you all a chance to catch up and read it with us so that you could join us in that conversation if you so choose. Again, that's going to be a month from now. Moon Knight by Jeff Lemire, the complete collection. We are going to post that up on our socials as well. We have been your Midwestern nerds. That's M-I-D-W-E-S-T-E-R-N-E-R-D-S. If you'd like to find us on social media, you can reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter at the Midwestern nerds. You can find us on Facebook at the Midwesterners Podcast. If you'd like to send us an email, you can email us at midwesternerds at gmail.com. And if you would like to listen to us on a different streaming service other than the one that you are using currently to listen to this episode, you can find us on any podcast streamer that is out there. I would like to thank our special guest this week, Tater, for joining us on this epic talk about the Batman. Super excited for you to join us again next week as we talk about those Batman movies. For your Midwestern nerds this week, I have been Brian Stoffel. And I'm Vengeance. I mean, Kyle Olson. And I'm Tater. And whether it's Beer Brats Comics or Batmobiles, keep, keep it nerdy. nerdy.